Welcome to I See Dad People, providing a voice to the modern dad around the world. Sharing stories, having a laugh, and cringing at Eugene's I don't know where he found them dad jokes. So let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the I See Dad People podcast. Today we have uh, my guest, uh, Eugene, who's uh, my host, Eugene, who uh, joins us every week. And then we also have Jim join us today. Uh, Jim, do you want to tell us a little bit about your 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 time as a dad and also what you do as a living and then we can kick off to maybe talk a little bit about your book. Sure, Steve. Uh, I'm Jim Degatano. I am president of Diamond Wealth Advisors. It's a wealth management firm. And so basically what I do for a living is, is help people uh, where their life intersects their finances. And we do that in a variety of ways. And I have a four and a seven-year-old at home, four-year-old son, seven-year-old daughter. Uh, being a finance professional, one of the things I completely see statistically is that over 80% of Americans are ill-prepared for the retirement that they're looking for. And so when you actually peel back that onion a little bit, it kind of makes sense because we don't teach it in high schools. We don't teach it in college. We don't teach money or savings in high school. It's not part of our national curriculum. Uh, in, in college, unless you study accounting or finance, you don't learn about it. So your first teacher, your parents really are the ones that basically you're going to learn about your money unless you end up becoming an adult or coming coming to work with someone that does what I do for a living. But University of Cambridge came out with a study and many neuroscience studies are suggesting that your habits are formed by age seven. And so I got a four year old, a seven year old at home. I'm a finance professional. High schools don't teach money. Colleges don't teach money. And I know the reason people are actually successful about money is because of their behavior. Yet our behaviors are formed by age seven. So for me, I decided I'm going to start looking for some material. I have ways that I teach my kids about money and we can chat about that in a bit. But I was looking for a book. I was looking for something that I could read to my kids at night because we read to them every night. And uh, I, there just wasn't a lot out there for that age group. And so I wrote one and uh, I, I've gotten a lot of wonderful reviews from friends and family and those in the community that I decided to share it, share it with the world. So that's what we'll be chatting about today. Great. So um, what's always interesting in our previous podcasts, when when people have started businesses, things like that, there there always seems to be a moment, you know, where you decide to write a book. Yeah. In this scenario, was there was there some moment that comes into your mind that uh, something that happened or something that sparked that to, to, to write the book? That's a great question. I, I have been volunteering with many nonprofits that teach financial financial literacy. And while it's not taught in our high schools, there's some wonderful nonprofits out there, Junior Achievement being one, that goes in and works with elementary schools, middle schools, high schools to help uh, in the program. So I've, I've been a volunteer for years on that, and I've always been passionate about it. And what was crazy is literally I came home one day from, from church, and it just came to me. Literally, I wrote it in an hour, and I just wrote it down. It was in my head. Uh, I looked at my wife. She said, what are you doing? I said, I know this is crazy, uh, sweetie, but I, I just wrote a children's book on teaching kids about money. And she looked at me like I had five heads. She said, you're crazy. But it, it's just how sometimes these things happen. They just come to you. And, you know, it's not a, a 200 page book. It, it's a it's a very small children's book. So it just came to me. I wrote it. 
And I thought, I feel like I have something here. And I decided to go with it as a gift for my kids. And then it's kind of turned into something, something bigger than that. Yeah, Stevie was saying it's it's a common question that we ask, like, where did the spark come from for, for a startup or for starting a podcast or in your case, writing this book? And you were saying that our habits are defined by the age of seven and the, the, the book and what you've put together. Is there is there a bit of does it mean that it's going to be a bit more difficult to change that habit after the age of seven to teach them about finances or? Uh, what would be the ideal age to start teaching your kids? Uh, Eugene, that's a great question. So the book, Larry the Bunny Saves His Money. Uh, Larry's this cute little cute little bunny, right? And his dad taught him some wise words early on when he started in the working world. He said, every time you work and get your pay, save two carrots for another day. Because Larry got paid 10 carrots a month. So his dad's saying, every time you get 10 carrots, save two of them. And so the book goes through in a very elementary and childlike way. They love the cute bunny. It has the carrots. They can count the 10 carrots out. Then they have eight carrots. And then he goes on to normal other activities in life. And that includes paying taxes, uh, which is kind of funny. I think for the parents reading it, he has an Uncle Sam uh, that runs the town and he keeps it for three carrots clean and sound. So they're understanding a little bit about how the economy works, but they got to buy a car and, and live in a house and get groceries. And all of the percentages actually fit what we should be doing as adults. So it, it really does have kind of an underlying theme there with regards to that. To address your question on uh, when you can teach these kids and the habits of changing them, you can actually start teaching your kids about money as early as age three. Mm -hmm. um, if you, th it, it's crazy. I, I know it, it, it's wild because you're thinking, well, that's so early, but it's not if you think about it, right? I'll give you an example. So my wife's in the grocery store yesterday with my four-year-old son and she, she got what she needed, but he saw some sprinkles that he wanted. And he said, I want sprinkles. And of course she's like, no, you're not getting any sprinkles. And he says, I want them now. And she said, no. And then he starts screaming and yelling in the middle of the grocery store. And it's in the bakery area where there's a lot of people. My wife's freaking out. He knows exactly what he's doing, right? because he's forcing her to make the decision to say no or acquiesce. If you've ever said a, a word that you shouldn't around your kid when they're young and they happen to repeat it at the most inopportune time, right? You know what I'm talking about. They, they understand and they'll actually put it in the right context, but the way kids learn, they learn sequentially and they start doing that very early. They learn by play. They learn by your environment and, and surroundings. And it's a very cause and effect, this and that. And so if they cry and mommy or daddy comes, they know, okay, that's how I get attention. Then they'll keep crying. Mm -hmm. And so this comes into play when you're, when you're trying to put kids to bed at an early age, but it also comes into play when you're teaching them. And why that's so important is because it's our behavior and our behavior is the reason you're financially successful. So even if you're not talking about money, which is very important, and I think it's part of what I say, kind of my three-step process for parents to teach kids at that age about money, but it's your behavior. So if your behaviors are formed by seven, it doesn't mean you can't change your behavior, but think about it this way. If your kid grows up getting everything they want, mm. what do you think they're going to be in as an adult? Like, what do you think their behavior is going to be? 
And so the first thing I say is delay gratification. Delay it, play it, say it is, is what I kind of suggest for parents and, and your dads that are listening. Delay it, play it, say it. It's kind of easy to think about. Delay it, play it, say it. And then you got to show it. But if you delay it, you have to, to be a successful investor. And we'll talk about some tactics I think that could be helpful for your, your audience um, as young parents or maybe if the kids are getting out of the house. Um, but you have to be able to delay gratification now because you're putting money aside for a future event or purpose. So you have to learn how to delay gratification. So as parents, anytime you're teaching your kid that you can't have it now, you're, you're teaching them patience. And so one of the things I do, my son wants to play with me, literally Eugene, every second of the day. Okay. Before mm -hmm. we went on the podcast, daddy, cards and trucks, let's play. And I'm like, we just played for 20 minutes. He forgot about the 20 minutes and he just wants now, now, now. <laughs> and I just, I, I just say five minutes. So it forces them. I'd love to play with you in five minutes, wait five minutes. So they have to learn that money doesn't grow on trees. You can't have everything immediately because if you can, how are you that behavior of delaying gratification, which directly mm. transfers into successful financial habits. Um, and, and so that that's the habitual thing, but then it also comes to, you can do that through play. So play it, just to kind of continue the thought, if it's okay, the kids learn through play and their environment. So, so the, the, which is why I believe in not too much structure with kids at a young age, because they're very creative, let their minds flow, let them think. I mean, my daughter comes home from first grade and what she want to do, she wants to play teacher. She wants to recreate what was going on in the classroom. And that helps her learn um, through affirmation, confirmation, et cetera. We'll play it. So for example, my kids got a, a toy kitchen set right? And so what do we do? They're the restaurant owners. I have play money and boy, the food they cook. I mean, uh, <laughs> and pizza and all this stuff, you know, steak. And, and of course the, the, I'm buying this stuff, but there are times Eugene that, that daddy don't have enough money to buy that steak. And so it's important to play scenarios out mm -hmm. that could be the case. Well, this is too much. How much does this cost? It's too much. Um, my son likes cars and trucks. So we'll play cars and trucks and there'll be a toll booth and daddy's the toll booth operator. So he has tickets to get through that costs money. Very good. Uh, Barbies for girls, they go shopping. Sure. But how much money does Barbie have to buy these gifts? It, it just gets them at that age. They don't need to hear about Roth IRAs or stocks or, <laughs> or any of that stuff. That's ridiculous, man. But, but what they do need to know is just saving is good. And the understanding that say, and I can tell you from doing this with my daughter, it does work. They, have a positive view of that. And that's the cause and effect. And with Larry the Bunny, all I want people to read is saving is good. And if you save well, you can have a good life, right? Now, does it always work that way? You know how life is, but at that age, it's just boom, boom. And then uh, say it, say it's the reason I wrote the book. I was looking for other ways to teach them other than delaying it, playing it. And uh, there just isn't a lot of books out there. That's why I wrote the book. Um, so that way you can read to them and they hear it. Uh, repetition does help. And then of course show it if you're if you're a parent uh, and i i can just say this through many many conversations when i bring a client on i ask them a lot of personal questions about their life and i can't tell you how many times someone will say when i ask who has influenced you most about your money and and how you handle it it's their parents for the good or the bad because many times people i see my parents they, they they're still working and or they've made some poor decisions and I don't, I don't want to continue to continue that generational curse or 
my parents are traveling. They're doing so many things. They seem to be happy. I, 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 I want to be able to do that. So as parents, you really have a huge influence as the first teacher in your life. And, and that's kind of the whole point of the financial literacy. Uh, if the high schools aren't going to do it, if the colleges are only doing it, if you're studying that particular major, well, then then we got to get in and get our hands dirty. Yeah, no, it's that that's 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 great advice. You know, as you were talking, I had flashbacks of the last two weeks with my kid. You know, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> seeing similar traits. You know, one of them was, um, you know, the the cause and effect, as you said. You know, uh, I, I remember you were talking about. Uh, we 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 also have a there's a great show called Bluey on Disney. I don't know if you've came across it. Uh, I've talked about it on previous episodes, uh, but they do a lot of uh, situational. Uh, it's an Australian show and they put people, kids in situations and very similar to how you were talking there. So it's a good show if you haven't seen it. Me and my wife I'll enjoy watching me and my wife, my wife enjoy watching it herself. So there's a lot of hidden jokes in there and it's totally mm-hmm. suitable for a three year old. But um, one of the things and I often take ideas from that show actually to do it with her kid. And one of them, they play a storekeeper. And um, and so what we've noticed is, is you know, some evenings she'll want macaroni and cheese is, is her thing, you know, and she'll want macaroni and cheese. And it's not that. And sometimes it's not. We just don't have any macaroni and cheese in the house. And we're trying to explain it. And we're saying she's like, you can go to the store. And we're like, no, we maybe you can have it next week. And we're going to try a different food this week. Mm-hmm. But what was even more interesting. What you said there was she plays storekeeper herself right so she'll come in with her and she's she's three years old and she'll come in with her little notepad and pen and she you'll ask for something and she will say i'm sorry we don't have that right now <laughs> she said uh, maybe tomorrow you can have it and i'm like are you sure are you sure you just can't go in there and make it and she's like nope and i'm like what do you have and then she'll say we have something else so you know as you were talking about even at that age she's already formed the same types of situations. She's playing out the same things as yeah. what she's seeing us doing in real life. So, I mean, I hadn't really, really thought about that until I was listening to you through it. And, you know, even last night we had a very similar situation to what you just talked about. So it's like, I'm sure there's so many parents will be listening to this thinking if, if in my thinking here, I thought of two, two things that happened in literally the last week that just resonated what you said is we were at, a, at the zoo last night for a wild lanterns. They light up the zoo and we walk. And of course, every kid's running around at one of those light up things. And she's like, I want one. I want one. <clears throat> my wife's really good. She's like, well, let's walk around first and let's let's see everything. And then maybe we'll go over and have a look at them. And, you know, in my mind, you know, it's, you know, working a lot, you know, covid's going on and there is that temptation to, to give them something you know and it's just hard to explain it's it's a temptation yeah. but we didn't right and and we we instead said you know maybe we'll come around next year when it's back on again and and then maybe we can do it but you know as as my head was going through what you were saying and the the example of the store um do you have ideas of how to have a three-year-old you know um already kind of rather than buying them something just straight up um giving them something or doing something that they're contributing to getting something every month. And if they, if they front load it all at the start, even you can kind of start to explain, well, you, you bought, you know, five things Or is that, what, what is your thoughts around that? If that makes sense is like from a practical perspective, like uh, what, what are some ideas of what you could do there? Um, you, you mean for at that age to suggest instead of just, uh, getting money and spending it all of like saving some so yeah well, well i don't we don't even give them money right now of course right yeah. but is there, yeah. is there a certain age where it's it's good you know people have allowances you know and things like that Gotcha. Right? and it's more the allowance thing where 
you know, when they when you're buying them something that it's not you buying it for them, it's more them you're giving them some 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 room to, to learn yeah. and then when they buy something it's like well you already used your token or whatever to get that thing sure. this week then you, you you know what i mean so they're thinking that okay next week i only have one i only have this yeah. piece to spend i can't spend everything that i have is is because i know you kind of touched a little bit on that so i'd be interested yeah. to hear your thoughts on that yeah that's a great that's a great point so with my kids right now we aren't instituting implementing any type of allowance or anything they're, they're a little bit too young at that point but um my, my daughter um, does have, and my son, they have piggy banks, okay? And so I think most people get piggy banks. Of course, we as a firm give it out to whenever kids have, or people have grandkids or kids or whatever. Um, and so there's a, many people use the, the, the saving, sharing, and spending kind of type three bucket approach. I like to say saving, giving, and living type thing. And so at my daughter's age, it's, you know, six, seven, they understand that. I, I think at three or four, they don't really go that far yet. But when they get get money from family as gifts or something like that, um, I it's funny because I asked my daughter, this happened a few weeks ago. I said, Anna, she had just gotten something from a grandparent. What are you going to do with that? She, she looks at me and she's like, Daddy, I know. Larry the bunny saves his money because that's been a topic of conversation. So she's putting it in saving. And, and we're reiterating saying, look, why do you save? You save so that you have some money down the road. And so... I, if there's something she has wanted, we're like, ooh, you have how much in your piggy bank? And she'll tell me and say, wow, that's going to cost X amount. Do you want to use your whole piggy bank on that? Well, no, I don't want it. Like they can at least understand mm. that part, right? Now, when you start doing, some people don't like allowances. They The, the thought would be they live in my house. That's what they got to do, right? Um, and, and, and I get that. But then at some point before they get out of your house at whatever age that is how and when are they going to have real world experience with money because then we send them off to college where credit card companies are, are hounding them like crazy to say hey here's something free and then open up a credit card without any credit and, and go on spring break vacation whenever we open up everything right so i know i was in college that's how it works so you you need to somehow do it if you run a business and you have a teenager you can hire them to do filing or other things like that, and then you can pay them and they understand how that works, right? And make sure you open up a bank account. If you're okay with setting up some sort of allowance, um, I don't know if, if that's the word I would use actually, because um, allowance to me is like a kind of a gift. I would want to view it as they've earned it. So there's basic chores you do around the house, but then there's other things. And maybe you could use a star system or something that says, look, if you do all your chores without us asking you, you do them on time. You know what? You get a star by the end of the week. And if you get a star, then you get a dollar. Right. Or something like that. They just have to know that they're actually earning this. And then if you want to go a separate say, if you save that dollar, we'll put another dollar in. And it doesn't have to be a dollar. It could be a quarter. It could be five bucks, whatever, you know, works for your particular family. But the way that the world works right now is you go work for a company and it's not like most people get pensions anymore. You know, they have 401ks. And so you put X amount and then they match it. So that's how we should teach our kids. You know, that, that if you you put a dollar into your saving, guess what? Mommy and daddy are going to put a dollar into your saving as well. What do you think of that? Oh, that's OK. And they, they kind of understand that once you get in the habit, th then that's good. But I think understanding they're earning it instead of just giving it to them. Is, is a really important lesson 
because that's what we want them to do as adults, right? We want them to earn that that money. Does that kind of fall into what you were thinking about? Yeah, totally. That that that's 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 great uh, thought there, thinking around it. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 definitely sparked me today to be to be more front of mind. And I can see Eugene nodding around as well. It's it's more front of mind. And I think that's the thing. I think that's what I liked about your quote that quote you had on your Instagram more than anything. It's the one that stood out to me. It's, it's, uh, it's not just about the kids. It's about being front of mind for yourself, uh, not for you, but with your kids and stuff and being more, uh, but yeah, I, I think that's, that, that's very helpful. I think, um, you know, it's been interesting. Actually you said that the other day, um, my daughter actually found two or three kinds the other day. Right. And, and yeah. what I mean by that is kind of interesting with the piggy bank, with the cashless and, and moving even more like cashless society, right? It's all, credit cards and debit cards. And I mean, it doesn't feel so long ago, maybe that's, we're getting older, but it doesn't feel so long ago that we were all going in with dollar bills. And I mean, I I haven't probably used a, a dollar or, or anything in probably in the last two and a half months. I haven't just, it's in my wallet for, you know, cases where you just need cash if there's, if your card doesn't work or whatever happens, there's some backup in there, but don't use a lot of, of dollars. So that's an interesting uh, scenario we're in with, with that, because um, are, are you, do you, do you like bring dollars in and you're, you're using the cash for that purpose? Is that, is that how you're, you're managing it? Or, or actually, do you, do you actually use, do you use cash for some purpose of, uh, I mean, I know there's, you know, when you, when you're using your debit or credit card, it's an, I won't say infinite amount of spending power, but it, I, I'm wondering if that was going to be your response by having cash. Is it also, you know, it's a limited amount of spending power, you know? Yeah, I, that's a great point. And it's, it's why I do think using money, like physical money is helpful at that stage because it reinforces that it is substance. It's something the, the biggest yeah. reason. And I would say it's probably even more important for our kids than when we were younger, because when they become adults, it will be a, a cashless society. It'll be virtual. I mean, it pretty much is now, and it's only going to get worse. So <laughs> ask any 22-year-old if they reconcile their bank account. It, they, they look at their debit card and how much is in there. And, and so it, it's, it's different. And so the biggest thing that's different is the emotion. There's something called aversion loss, which you feel the pain twice as much as you feel um, excitement or happiness about you know, your money, losing money as opposed to gaining money, right? It's just how we are wired. Humans are wired to make bad decisions about money. That's a conversation we can have a little later. But um, if, they're, if they're not using money, okay, you don't feel the pain in using your credit card or your debit card. You just don't feel it. So I've actually done this with clients that, and, and I said, here's how much you say you spend and you think you spend. I want you to take it out in cash, put it in an envelope, and then let me know when it when it's all gone. And th anyone who does that, you will feel the pain just spending those dollars at the grocery store. You see it go, as opposed to just whipping out a card and it's done. You do, you have no emotion. And so I, I think it's really, really important for kids to learn to save first and then you can spend what's left after because that pain, they're not going to feel it. So I still use cash so that they can kind of get the habit of it because, um, there just isn't a, a better mechanism right now. I, I think there's going to be at some point a way that that that, that would allow for that. Um, and, and I think through technology where we have our phones and everything uh, there, there could be prompts saying, hey, look, you just spent X amount of money and now you won't reach your budget goal for the month or or it, this could have an effect on many, many other things. 
but but right now it's the the emotion that you just don't feel when you use a credit card at all but you do when you use cash so that's why yeah. i tend to use cash with the kids yeah i've been uh, taking notes here like a right one and <laughs> there's definitely <laughs> things i'm going to start applying now my son <laughs> He's like 22 months old and he is absolutely brilliant. And even now, you know, introducing little concepts like that. Every so often, I know he's very young, but yeah, my wife are going to have it in mind. And it is something that we've talked about also. Yeah. Uh, and my background and my wife's background is very different. My wife had a lot of a lot of good teaching around finances and in in our relationship i'm not sure if you've looked at game of thrones but sometimes people get labeled as the master of coin so so (laughs) wife is the master of coin like my upbringing was very different like we we didn't have a lot a big irish family five kids and whatnot and and there wasn't a lot of um maneuvering or or time spent preparing for that journey through life and it's very important. And only when I reached, it must have been 32, 33, that I start getting my head around finances. And my wife has been brilliant helping me with it and getting things up on up on track. But in your role, Jim, do you do you get many people coming in around the age of let's say 30s that just say, Hey, <laughs> how do I handle my finances? What what are my options here? And um, what is the advice that you get those guys for for getting started? Yeah, um, we do uh, of all of all ages, I, and I tend to think um, there there are there are reasons that people get started later in life, and those that are in their twenties or thirties that just say no to getting started, it's it's more of a a want don't want to. Mm-hmm. They are used to a certain spending. Uh, you know, when you're single, you're going out to the bars, you're traveling, clubs, whatever it may be, sporting events, and then you get married, and, and then, then you're doing things with your spouse. But it's more about I don't want to let go of that money. Remember the delayed gratification type scenario, and and it, when it's people that are later in life, let's just say 40s, 50s, and, and, and it's not necessarily a a want thing. It's more of a I don't feel like I can. They've just gotten so used to it, they don't feel they can pare back anything. And so I think it depends where you're at in life. But as far as making that choice to move forward, look, there there's a certain segment of the population that just lives at a living wage and they live below poverty. And, and you know, what we're talking about is, is above what they can probably fathom because they're just trying mm-hmm. to make ends meet and pay the bills, right? But there's also many, many more people that are not on, on that, that edge that do make more than enough and are making the choice to not save it first. And um, that's that's really what we're talking about. And so what I say to that 30 year old is there's no time like the present. Uh, get started, uh, because what we try to do is to say, all right, look in the mirror right now. You're 32 years old or whatever, whoever that may be, maybe a listener right now. What I want you to do is close your eyes and I want you to think about yourself 15 years down the road. Look in the mirror and you're 45. Now look in the mirror and you're 60. What could you be doing right now that makes that 45-year-old smile, feel confident, be free, and have control over their life, right? There are a lot of things we cannot control. I've learned that, right? And we've we've had, as a country, argued um, intensively uh, over the political realm and all these other things. And 
And, and you know what? I can't control any of that stuff. And I tell my clients, you know, we, we live in and focus our energy and what we can control. You can control taking that step forward. So, so yes, we get people that just don't know. And that's okay because how would you know? Like if you're not taught, how would you know? And I think one of the things, the emotion um, that comes up with some people, they won't say it, but some people that are, have very successful careers make really good money and aren't financially sound. There's a certain embarrassment, maybe guilt, um that well i feel like i should be doing better i don't want to go because i just don't know and i feel like i should know i look like i should be doing great on paper financially but but look you can only be expert at so many things in life right mm -hmm. um i i went to grad school i got my master's in business administration uh from a school right outside of philly and uh when i have taken clients on that have gotten their mba and they'll say they'll say well i i have an mba and, and I'm kind of like, well, that, that's great. It's a piece of paper. And, and don't, I don't mean to discount that, but my question to them is, what personal financial planning classes did you have in your master's in business administration? And the response is none, because that's not what you teach. You teach, you learn corporate finance and marketing and strategy and all that other stuff. So, so if you're not taught it in that class, how are you going to know it, right? Unless you're spending time outside of work and you know, if you got family, friends, it's not maybe the most exciting topic that someone wants to spend all their time on. So that's why I hire someone to do a deck. I hire people to do other things around the house. Not that I couldn't do it and spend the time. I'd rather spend it with my family and friends and doing something fun, watching my Steelers on TV on a Sunday. You know, so so I, I know I kind of digressed a little bit on your question. I'll uh, I'll shut up. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> You know, I, I think a big one for me, and I don't know if Eugene's the same one, is, you know, uh, a, a little bit of background is me and Eugene actually met in Peru. I, I lived there for a few years, uh, ran a, a travel business in, in Peru, and that's where we met. And, you know, uh, let's just say it was a, a very solo life and, uh, you know, lots of people coming in and out, you know, uh -huh. friends for a while. And actually one of our friends owned an Irish bar and hostel in Cusco in Peru. So it was quite an adventurous life for a while. And then, and then I came here for a wedding and uh, for a friend who was actually part owner of the bar. And I, I met my wife now at that actual wedding here in, in, in cool. Washington. And then we, we ended up, um, um, <clears throat> I ended up, we, we decided which, who's going to go which way. And then um, I decided to come here. Um, but I think that's the first moment of a switch for me was the first. So there was moments of switching, right? And then, we realized, you know, we um, we were planning to have a kid and we tried and it uh, it happened very fast when we started to try. Let's just say, you know, you're, think, you're thinking in your head, oh, I got, about two, I got about two years here, you know, you know, we're going to try a little bit and it probably happened on the first time, you know, and uh, it's, we're pretty, I'm not even joking, it probably was that. And uh, and all of a sudden you're the news, right? And uh, now you're going to be that. And I think that moment, it, it was such a quick shift for me because it only felt like yesterday I'm, I'm in a bar playing music to, you know, 15 people with Eugene standing next to me in some crazy costume. And now I'm, I'm at home. I'm, you know, I'm married. And now, you know, feels like two days later we're having a kid. And it started, the financial, you know, thing started to roll around in my head. And I come from a very similar background to Eugene, big, big family, you know, very much like, you know, honestly, week, week to week kind of moving, you know, and not thing. But again, I, I you know education was the big change but now i had the opportunity to change and think about it so i started reading books you know i started reading books on um uh 
you know, very basic investing, trading, you know, like just basics on the stock market. And I think the reality for me was that it didn't take that long to learn some basics that sh- shifted my mind. Um, I also lucky enough to have a friend uh, similar similar to you uh, who I was able to talk about, talk about stuff as well, you know, and all of a sudden you get this motivation that comes in you. But the motivation was intrinsic to me at one stage, but also you immediately starting to think of, you know, everyone's saying, hey, you know, your kid's going to college. Uh, kid's not even born, you know, it's not even born yet or barely out. And, and people are like, hey, are you starting, you know, your your college investments? You know, you're starting college investments. And you're just these things are coming into your head. But it is it is a moment to not get too stressed and bogged down because I think that's the moment where you just say, well, where, where does it even to start? So mm-hmm. as a dad, you know, as a dad here, and I think that's a big one here because that's what we were centered around is, I'm a sh- I'm sure I'm not the only one, and it sounds like Eugene as well. The moment you become that dad, it may be the spark for a lot of pa- uh, dads to to start thinking or talking to a financial advisor. And you know, we did uh, speak to one, and and we 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 like I have to say, like I'm, uh, it was a big shift for us to think that way, and. You know, my, my wife leaves it to me to learn the stuff and then I share stuff with her, you know, and the immediate thing is just put it in this bank account savings. Uh, but I, I, me and Eugene's talked about it regularly. You know, I, I tried out some of the stock market and, and you know, I read a lot about momentum stocks and stuff mm-hmm. like that and, and very much like knowing the losses and when to cash it. But I think that I have seen the difference in how much you can you can make your money work for you versus that and i'll just finish one last thing then i'd love to hear thoughts is i heard a phrase a while ago which i really liked which was rather than save rather than when you get your salary you know you get paid rather than um save some money they i've heard this phrase of pay yourself first mm-hmm. and um so that it's not that you're trying to save whatever's left over. What you're saying is you pay yourself, you work off that and save the rest. And so it's sim- it sounds simple, but it is it isn't until someone really like until you get into the mind frame of paying yourself uh, and doing that. And so I think for a lot of people. So I'm, anyway, I'll stop there and just hear what were your thoughts around that for for a dad, especially around. Yeah, uh, you know, you said pay yourself first. That that's the whole point of Larry the Bunny saves his money, literally. You work and get your pay, save two carrots for another day. Pay yourself first is one of the first things. It's interesting you said that uh, because when I speak to, let's say, a, a young group of teenagers uh, or college students at a university or even Boy Scouts or, or whatever it may be, um, and I talk about, I call it a finance 101 type conversation and pay yourself first. We talk about how to allocate income. Um, just, you know, when you get paid, you put money in savings. of the money that you make, you put in savings, 10% into investments, and the other 5% has to protect it. So it's it's like a three-legged stool, cash, insurance, and wealth, cash management, risk management, wealth management. You got to have balance just like you do in life, right? I mean, managing your money is very similar to managing your life. It's all about balance. That's the kind of the key. And and you got to take all the noise out of there, right? All that noise in our minds really does nothing but clouds our, our judgment, and causes anxiety and depression. We, we don't need any of that. So so if you actually knock the stool off or one of the legs of the stool, you're going to fall off. It's the same way with your financial plan, right? So going back to when I have conversations with these these teenagers, whatever, and I talk about, I say, look, raise your hand if you, you, you think that this is an easy concept. Almost everyone raises their hand, right? And then I say, well, why do you think that so many Americans have difficulty with that? And literally, they don't have the answer. It's just it it's it you know it, it's very quiet. 
because they just think it's very simple. Yeah, you just put the money away. But then we talk about behavior and how life happens and it gets busy and, and there's decisions that you have to make, right? So um, yeah, I completely understand. And, and uh, I think for who, any one of the listeners that's looking, uh, you don't have to do this yourself. You're right. Uh, I might be biased because I, I, I am a financial advisor, wealth advisor. I run a, run a firm. Um, many people do it themselves. I tend to find that the, the, the world falls in three different types. People that kind of look at someone like myself and says, diagnose and prescribe. Doctor, doctor finance. I don't want to know. I don't know. But now I trust you. Just tell me what I need to do. There's some people I work with. On the other end of the side, there's some what I call do-it-yourselfers, where they might want some advice, but they really want to do it themselves, right? And and if you want to do it yourself, by all means, you know, go for it. Um, I tend to think when people have a coach, uh, they tend to be held accountable and they tend to do it better. That's what I've seen. I mean, heck, Michael Jordan had a coach. LeBron James has a coach. Um, there's reasons people have coaches, and that's where advisors come in as coaches, um, so there are some do-it-yourselfers that at some point in their life might say, maybe they're getting closer to retirement, but they're married and say, I've been the one, you know, the, the master of coin, Eugene. And now it's, it's actually, what if something happens to me? Does my spouse know how to handle this? We need to actually team up with, you know, an accountant, a CPA, an attorney, a financial advisor so that, that he or she's taken care of if I'm gone. Right. And then most people tend to fall in the middle guys, which is, look, you want to be educated. You want to understand what it is you're being told and why. And that's where we kind of come in. And then that trust conversation becomes very important. And I always say, if you're going to meet with an advisor, ask a lot of questions. But if they aren't asking you a lot of questions, then you might want to look elsewhere because it's not about them. It's about you. And so you shouldn't have to know all the right questions to ask. He or she is the advisor should know all the questions to ask you because it's about you. It's not about them. So of any of you guys, when you're going out talking about advisors and, and, and asking questions, I can always give you questions that you can ask advisors that can, can help, um, you know, determine how they work, what they do for a living, how they get paid. And that should be standard with any conversation. But most importantly, they should be asking you about your life, how you make decisions. Why do you make decisions? What are your goals? What do you want out of life? What's your purpose, right? Money actually means nothing. I mean, currency literally is a, just a measuring tool, right? It, it, it really, you know, our world, uh, our modern world has turned it into something you can profit on through, through currency futures and exchanges. But in all reality, it really should just be a scale. And then what we really should be looking at is what do we want out of life? How do we want to spend our time? What gives us joy and peace? What are we good at that we, that, that we want to spend our time doing? Um, what are we not good at, but we like doing? That's called a hobby, not a career. Uh, so, so that changes, but, but again, I just, uh, open-ended question. I just started digressing. No, I think that's great advice, Jim. I mean, this is, this has been such a, such an interesting uh, podcast. It's very different than the other one, our other podcasts as well. Just, just great advice. And I know there's a lot of people who it's going to spark a lot of thoughts. I know Eugene has his dad jokes. He'd like to run. There's one more topic I'd, I'd like to, um, I'd like to just quickly turn on if you have the time to, um, sure. uh, talk about is, uh, you know, me and Eugene have talked about it on previous ones as we talk about the social dilemma, right? And, and we're all in this technology. We, we've actually, we're, we're, as a, 
as a, as a country, as the world is moving forward, moving forward so fast in terms of technology, right? I mean, we, I work in technology, uh, Eugene works in technology. Uh, I come from a computer science background, but still someone says TikTok. I don't have TikTok. I see my brother. We have a we have an Irish family, but there's a large gap between me and my younger brother. And we were talking about TikTok and I downloaded Snapchat a couple of months ago. It's the first time I ever felt old uh, is because I couldn't, I mean, I work as a product manager right? And, and I'm used to interfaces and looking at it, but I downloaded it and it was intuitive to me, right? And I was like, now I'm past that that curve of, you know, this is being built for how, uh, how kids are thinking differently and how they're interacting with things. And I'm having trouble figuring out how to navigate this thing. And, um, and so we were talking about the social dilemma and Facebook and social media and the, the new challenges of the world. You know, there's bullying and now it's all social. It doesn't need to be in the school anymore. And God knows where we're moving now with, you know, with COVID and remote and, and everything. But the other thing that's come into my mind recently as, as I have started to learn more about socks, and for me, it's a bit of a hobby. I actually really enjoy, um, I, I really enjoy, as you know, like um, uh, learning about the stock market and stuff. So I have intrinsic love for watching how, how it works, right? And I know for some folks, it's more of a, oh, I got to do it because I do it. But I'm also watching the other side of it, which is I see uh, companies like Robin Hood, whereas before it's hard to get in there, right? You, you know, to, to, to invest in stock markets, it's a lot bigger process. You need more money. You need, you know, you pay somebody. But now you can literally download an app, put your social security number in there. And a few minutes and a few minutes later, you're you can buy stock. And um, and now you have and I'm watching the gamification of, of the stock market for younger kids. And, and that's the danger here, you know, as well, because you're movers but as you know as i'm reading again as i know the top movers are generally too late right and, and you know it's it's the people who've been watching it are waiting for someone to spike it up and then they'll sell and and you yeah. lose right and so it's worrying for me as well a little bit you know as as a kid's grown up is this a new challenge not just saving but also the investing side is open now to to the to to the do-it-yourself people and and i'm reading a lot about you know rather than a lot of stock investing, and maybe this is not true and maybe you can do it, but there's a lot of, uh, based on financial indicators, is moving to, you know, emotion. You know, uh, there's there's a group of folks who are in their 20s, tech companies, and there's there's emotion built behind why stocks are rising and stuff. So maybe I think that was a good topic, you know, as dads are starting to think about getting involved in Robin Hood and doing it themselves. My honest opinion is you're, those three buckets, of the different types of people, I, I really felt a little bit of fear getting in there, I'll be honest, because and that's what forced me first to read the first book was I, I feel the risk here. And um, for dads that are starting, I actually advise, I would advise to, if you're not a do-it-yourself financial advisor, because it's very quick to lose and then maybe that's enough to stop you moving forward right because you've just you've just lost you know a lot of money that you know it's going 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 up we'll, we'll take one company like uh, beyond meat i think something like that which is like just you know rocketing up and then everybody's throwing more money and so on that topic uh, as a dad do you have any advice around that piece of it that's a, that's a great question and uh, i think I, I answered that a few ways first whether you are do it yourself for now or use an advisor um, I wrote a book called The Fruitful Retirement. It's called The Fruitful Retirement. And while I wrote it initially for uh, people that are about to retire, thinking about it, scratching that, because common emotions and processes that I've found uh, from thousands of conversations with clients, uh, it, it, 
it actually, when people read it who were endorsing it, they said, everyone can read this book. You can be 25 years old and it can benefit you. So um, go out. It is on Amazon. You can you can read the book. And if you're a do-it-yourselfer, it's going to give you some interesting things. You had mentioned something about um, stocks, uh, you know, just, just go up, but all it takes is one stock to, to lose it all. Well, in there, there's a graph that goes through multiple different decades from the 80s, 90s, 2000s, and what the top companies in the world were. And very clearly, the lesson is, is that, you know, the companies of today, the large companies of today aren't going to necessarily be the large ones and the winners of tomorrow. And as a as a portfolio manager that we construct portfolios for clients, one of the the charts is money we call inflows and outflow chart money going in or out of equities whether it's mutual funds or etfs because we actually if we see a lot of money going out that's a leading indicator a contrarian one to buy because people sell at six and buy at 12. it's it's emotion it's behavior it's right what you were saying steve about the top, the top ones on the gaming videos, it's saying, look, well, this one's doing well, so I'm gonna jump on this, right? Because it's done well. Look at its past performance. Well, every, every uh, illustration that an advisor has to show has to have a disclosure that says, you know, past performance doesn't guarantee future performance, right? So what you're trying to find is what's unloved. Like for example, right now, value stocks are very unloved. And as the broad-based recovery occurs, you're gonna see those come up. I mean, for the better part of this year, five companies had the majority of return on the S&P 500. Yet, so when you look at the S&P, you're like, it's doing great. Well, yeah, five companies are doing great. So which ones do you want to buy? Do you buy the ones that have already gone up 50% or the ones that are down 15% yet have very little debt, have very cash rich operations, but they're just unloved. So I like to put it this way. It's people think this way with stocks, yet if I asked them if they said to me my house value has dropped 30 percent and i said oh my gosh sell it sell it now hurry up and sell it they look at me like i was crazy yet that's what people do with their stocks right it's down i gotta sell it it's gonna go down further and that's the worry back in the 80s interest rates were so high in this country right you could buy a cd for 18 percent for 30 years and i have articles from journals and financial publications of opinions that are saying, don't do it. Don't lock that in because rent is going higher. So even financial professionals cannot, can succumb to the human emotion. And so, um, you know, if you're left to your own vice to do it, boy, you got to be able to check yourself. And there's a reason why day traders have one of the highest rates of suicide in the country, um, because anything can happen in the short term in the long term you know there's temporary declines over a permanent advance in the stock market and that's kind of how it tends to work but in the short term man anything can happen i'll give you an example look at zoom right um zoom while we're not on zoom right now zoom didn't have any profits at all before this right no profits they weren't making money right and they had big competitors microsoft cisco etc Right. And most people thought, well, you know what? Zoom's not making any money. Sure. People are going to use it, but they're going to ditch it right afterwards. Right. Their stock has gone through the roof from like 60 bucks to the whole way up three, four hundred dollars. So will it continue? I don't know. We'll see. But it's just hard to know in the short term with these things. And so you go to kids and take a look at how they're being taught right now. Video games. Right. 
So these video games, because I know my nephew, who's 10 years old, um, he can buy for all these weapons and equipment and all this stuff. And it's very easy for him to just rack up some money on the parent's credit card if the parents aren't paying attention to it so that he can go to the next level or whatever it may be. So they're being taught to buy and click and click and get. And, 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 and so that is pervasive and that's going to continue for them in the future. And they're going to basically think, well, I can do this on my own. And there's nothing wrong with Robinhood at all. I think it, that's a that's a, a fine application. Um, I think, you know, people can use it. But I would say and I say to my clients, like, look, if you want to go play around some stocks and have some fun, take some money. You don't mind losing. Go ahead. Buy some stocks, have some fun on it and, and it'll be fun. But it won't make you nervous or crazy because that's your whole net worth. And there's a difference between gambling and investing. And it comes in the statistics. You walk into a casino. The odds are in the casino's favor. You you purchase good quality stocks. The statistics are in your favor. But when you add the emotion and that we're wired to make bad decisions, then the statistics can that can change. So uh, hopefully that that gives some some color to what your question was uh, for the audience here in the dads. Yeah, I think that's great color. I think there'll be uh, there'll be two two books I'll I'll be I'll be reading after this. One one when the kid is asleep, and one before the kid goes to sleep. So uh, we'll definitely be sharing with everybody. I, I I have to say from personal experience over the last two years, you know, I I I was really looking forward to this conversation as Eugene knows because I have been in the midst of this journey that you talked about right now, and two years ago it would not have been anywhere in my mind just nothing i mean i went from nothing to this and you know eugene's probably sick of hearing me talking about you know uh, some of this stuff but um you know i have seen the value of 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 really studying and understanding and, and being uh and having a purpose around what you're doing with money and yeah. stuff of like that and how it how you make your money work for you so i'll be reading the books definitely and we'll share with all of our listeners for sure i, I think that I, I as a as someone who's benefited from it or so far and feels more comfortable now in that space, I, I definitely recommend everybody to, to read the book. And I have no doubt that not even reading book, but after going through the, the topics of your book. Um, but I think it would be fun in a couple of weeks, a couple of months, if you're interested again, Jim, once we've had a chance to read the book to maybe come on and maybe we can talk about it a little more and with, with more of our listeners as well. And we'll, we'll send the book around. And um, yeah, definitely. And if your listeners have certain questions, um, you know that that you have a list of questions i would be glad to to help them with that i think probably open up a few questions for them but the key is what's the purpose you said it you know think about your your purpose of what that money's going to be for and then you can better manage that money appropriately yes 100% so there's a part of this podcast uh, jim yeah. that um Eugene uh, has he's contracted in, so that's his big thing that he has to have his dad joke section. So <laughs> I love uh, it. This, this is not live. So as we tell every other guest, we can't put in sound effects for laughing and stuff. So don't, don't feel like you have. <laughs> I don't know where you found them. You used to have better jokes before you were a dad. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Ready for act? Let's go. I attached all my watches to make a belt. It was a waste of time. <laughs> you should really try while you're blindfolded. You'd never know what you're missing. <laughs> so Amal and Juan are identical twins. Their mom only carries one baby photo in her wallet. Because if you've seen one, you've seen them all. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I got one for you. 
Oh, great. yes, go. What do you call a concert that costs 45 cents? 50 cent featuring Nickelback. <laughs> <laughs> I am using that. <laughs> All right. Um, so we have our last section of the uh, podcast, Jim, is uh, we do a rapid fire question round, okay. which Eugene runs. And um, uh, we try and get a couple of questions in there uh, related to the podcast. And uh, there's a couple of them just from a dad. And so uh, we'll kick it off. Are you ready, Eugene? For Are you yes. ready first, Jim? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> are you ready, Eugene? Yes. Are you ready? Oh, I get it. Really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Start the clock. Jim, who is your favorite TV dad? I'm, I watch Netflix all the time. I don't, I, don't, I don't have a TV dad show anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> no problem. What's your favorite day of the week? Saturday. What's your favorite city in the U.S. besides the one that you live in? Boston. Do you have any nicknames for your kids? Uh, my son's name's Garrett. We call him G. Uh, Anna is just it's just Anna. <laughs> unless she's not doing unless she's not nice, then it's Anna Sophia. Yeah. Oh, that's when you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Would you rather? see the Pittsburgh Steelers win the Super Bowl this year or have the option for Pittsburgh Steelers to beat the Ravens for all of eternity going forward? Oh, man, that is a really tough question. I'm going to say the Super Bowl because I still think we'll beat them in the future. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's fighting talk. I like it. Can you say something in an Irish accent? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> i don't think that was irish accent was it no it did sound like it actually it, 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 it actually yeah. yeah well i gotta tell you um i was watching this show on tv called the on netflix called the peaky blinders oh yeah i love that show so literally for five seasons i was walking around the house talking to my wife saying the peaky blinders i love the peaky blinders yeah and, uh, i was trying with the accent which which she just kind of rolls her eyes but uh, Would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or be able to talk to animals? Speak every language in the world. Is it wrong for a vegetarian to eat animal crackers? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's what? a good question. <laughs> What's your kid's favorite TV show? Uh, that has changed right now. The kids are so into uh, Mickey Mouse holidays and basically anything Disney Plus. We're going through Star Wars right now, the shows they can watch. So they're really into (laughs) Disney Plus and Star Wars right now at this point. That's it. Now you have passed the rapid fire question round with flying colors, my friend. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you, Eugene. I'm going to work on my Irish accent. I think I I need to work on that a bit. (laughs) You did well. 
All right. That, I mean, we covered so many topics today, Jim. It was, it was really insightful. I mean, I, I always love the ones for myself and Eugene are actually, you know, sponging in lots of information because it's always a good sign that the listeners are also going to get so much out of it. Um, and well, of course, thank you for taking the time to come on. Uh, and we always ask if you'd like to give a little bit of uh, an outro to our, to our to our listeners, how they can check it out, because I think you got two strong pieces or maybe even three you've got you've got two books but you've also got you know the financial advising side of things so maybe you can give us a little outro and of course we'll share that after the during the week of the podcast getting sure. launched as well. oh okay um if if anyone is interested in learning more about me uh you can go to my website jimdegatano.com that's d-e-g-a-e-t-a-n-o jimdegatano.com or my, the two books that we talked about earlier, Larry the Bunny Saves His Money and The Fruit for Retirement are both on Amazon. So you can find them on Amazon. You can also go to LarryTheBunnySavesHisMoney.com and TheFruitForRetirement.com. So uh, hopefully it's been helpful for you guys. I've had a fun time. Thank you to Steve and Eugene. This has been awesome. I would give, I would just, if I had one parting, parting thought to all of you guys listening, um, Wherever you're at in your life, uh, whether you've been making the smart decisions or you just got things, some things, um, you know, just look, look in the present now and look in the future. Uh, learn from the past. Don't dwell on it. Spend your energy on things you can do now and can control for what you can do in the future. And your kids are going to follow your actions. So start with yourself and then it will just flow to them. That's that's the thoughts I would have today, guys. Awesome. That's some awesome advice. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for taking the time out to talk to us today, Jim. Yes. And uh, we'll, of course, let you know when when it, when it goes live and everything. And uh, and uh, have a great weekend. You too. Thanks, guys. This was great. Thank you All so right. much. Thanks for joining us today on I See Dad People. If you would like to check out the rest of our podcasts and be the first to hear our new ones, you can visit us at icdadpeople.com or follow us on Instagram at icdadpeople underscore official. And we will see you next time. And remember... I see dead people, I see them all the time.